Ah, thankful for another day. Brush, floss, and comb? Check. Coat, bag, and keys? Check. Ready to go? Ready to start that morning? Only thing missing? Nine, five, zero. Welcome to the 950 Lounge Show. Hosted by Kevin K.P. Pryor, the LeBron James of the radio game. The amazing Steph Pearl. The extremely hilarious Rodeo. Just the classic man. And of course, backstage Ed. 950. You are listening to the best team in radio. Where else would you want to be? We're back on the ride, Nafi Lounge, still joined by the best team in radio. My name is Kevin K.P. Pryor, LeBron James, the radio game. He most like to find man in media day. My man, Mike, the moderator, backstage here, loudmouth rodeo, and the lovely super talented, Steph Pearl. <laughs> we got a guest here today that, you know, again, if you don't know him, you probably know his music. He comes from a musical lineage, a family that has pretty much dominated the music industry for decades. He's from Philadelphia. I won't blame him for that. But nevertheless, he's here today and not I will. <laughs> I'll blame myself. Sorry. They call him the motion worker, but we're going to call him Adam Dorn. What's going on, Hey, son? it's going good. Hey, Thanks don't let for talk having about me. Philly like that. Philly is good. Oh, uh, Philly, Philly's okay. Yeah, Philly, Philly has its moments. Philly yeah, has, especially the cheese steaks. It was no yeah. brotherly love since Rocky. That's it. Let's keep going. <laughs> this guy will drive down from the Bronx first for a cheesesteak. Wow. Right. What's your joint? Which place? I used to go with the Geno's, but there's another yeah. Geno's. There's another spot that's further down that my family down here yeah, Gino's took me to. You a tourist? No, 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 no. Yeah, I, yeah that thank was a you, while. thank you. But that was a while. But what? there's another spot down there. What's the place across from Geno's? Tad's, you talking about? Oh man, that place! They have a sign up in the in the window that says "We speak English here." <laughs> I'm just like, how alienating is that? You know what I mean? It's yeah. like I'm from front. You know, like ugh. Yeah, sorry, I don't go to those places. <laughs> I go to. I went to gyms on 62nd and Noble, the original gyms was in West Philly. That was my place. I've... So Adam, as a young kid, huh? I'd say about 15 years old, you got introduced to the music business from your father, yeah. um, uh, Mr. Joel Dorn, mm. um, and worked with some of the world's, I want to say America, the world's biggest artists. Mm. How was growing up in that? Like, you know, like I can only imagine if I had Shadua Sanders sitting here and saying, well, how does it be, you know, um, mm. no, Fallen being Deion Sanders, you're mm. in that same boat. How was it being the son of Joe Dorn? It it was incredible, mostly because he was just a really loving, supportive, great father. Yeah. He was mm -hmm. an incredible human being, really loved the music and was passionate about the artists that he worked with. Mm -hmm. for, for folks that don't know who my father was, my father was a staff producer at Atlantic Records in the mid-60s to the mid-70s. There was a film in the 90s called High Fidelity where mm -hmm. they had these... You know, John Cusack's character talked yes. about dream jobs yes. and dream job. And I was in the theater and I'm watching this and dream job number two was Atlantic Records staff producer in 1964 to 1973. And the only person ever who could have done that was my father. Yeah. And real quick, my father produced Donny Hathaway, Roberta Flack, mm. um, Bette Midler, you know, um, you know, hired Luther Vandross as a background singer, which will come up later in my story because Luther was really important in my career. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Charles Mingus, John Coltrane, uh, Rossan Roland Kirk, Les McCannity Harris, like amazing jazz stuff, incredible R&B stuff, some pop stuff, but really jazz and R&B. Yeah. So I grew up, you know, in, in I was born in 70. Uh, I watched the whole 
you know, I mean, I, I started going to the recording studio when I was like five. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, you start meeting the musicians and, you know, and it's funny, you know, on the show you talk, you'll talk with, you know, singers and rappers and studios are different now. Yes. Studios used to be groups of musicians, groups of backgrounds, like real teams of people making records. And they still are. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to get all like yeah. I'm an old man and are these kids today. <laughs> but get off but, my yeah, lawn. Yeah, get off my lawn. <laughs> put, you, know, get, you, know, get a, you know, get those turntables out of here. Um, no, but, but the real thing is, is that it really was community based. And, and, and honestly, it was a lot of like Atlantic Studios, you could have like Aretha Franklin in a room mm -hmm. and the Rolling Stones in the next room and then like someone like Rasan Roland Kirk who might not be a household name and the next, you know, and everyone mixed. Mm. And the music in this period, and you can hear it in the music of the, of the early 70s, mm -hmm. it was about a lot of things, you know, mixing. So my father, he signed and produced Roberta Flack. Mm. So we did First Time Ever I Saw Your Face, you know, Killing Me Saw. He did the first five records, produced them, and that's iconic stuff. Like, you know, growing up in the shadow of that was an incredible privilege. Um, you know, it's funny. I've been sitting here for a while, and I've heard some of your other guests. And yeah. the, the, the theme here for the recording artists is, I didn't do well in school. I was horrible <laughs> at school. I really, I, yeah, I was the kid that was sitting there. And, I, you know, I'm the kid with the Walkman headphones on in eighth grade, and I'm listening to the Gap Band. And everyone around me in my like very sort of you know, Jewish and black neighborhood that I grew up in outside of Philly was just like, you know, not listening to the Gap Band. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's just put it that way. Mm -hmm. So I, I really grew up in an, in an interesting way. Like I was surrounded by music and art. Talk about you know? it a little bit. Yeah, sure. That's a unique uh, mosaic. When yeah. you say, hey, you know what, I, I, I'm in, I'm pretty much my, my family's in this music business and you're talking about n big names, mm. right? Then obviously... Being a you know Jewish background, mm. you know where you know you might not be playing Luther. You know, maybe they do. Something. Oh, in my house, you know, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But talk yeah. about that as growing up, you know, around you know, I had a mosaic of friends. So how did that balance work? My friends were a lot based on the people that the artists that my father brought in, their mm -hmm. kids. You know, like um, to this day, I'm really close with Layla Hathaway mm. because. Donnie's daughter yes. is Layla, yes. who's an icon on, in her own right. And I have to say, I, I didn't really have friends where I grew up at all. I didn't, these were not people focused on what I was into, like right. even a little bit. So I felt kind of alienated. I very much look forward to the time I spent around artists and the time I spent around people that were creative and looking at something bigger in the world than just, you know, whatever, just yeah. what was going on in Philly in 1980. You know yeah. what I mean? I w and that's the time, you know. we talk about Philly, that's the time of the, the move unit. Move oh, yeah. And no, that's the, yeah, really big stuff. Philly, back then. Philly, horrible, horrible history of racism and a horrible history of treatment of, 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 of lots of people. But yeah. really, at that time, you know, you have a mayor, the first black mayor in the history of the city bombs a block. Yeah. And here's a side note. <laughs> he bombs a building. Two blocks from that building, my mother's family had a lumber yard. Oh, wow. So he bombs a building, the whole block catches on fire, and there's a lumber yard. There's like, you know, like there's a there's a basically a tinderbox a block away. It's like, wow. all right, Wilson, good. It wasn't you really well planned. Out. No, it was not. <laughs> it, you, 
You shouldn't bomb residences, especially, you know, whatever. Yeah, you but be bombing in America. It's no, exactly. <laughs> and and that's on the heels of having, you know, Frank Rizzo as mayor, who was like yeah. the most racist individual yeah. of all time. And Philly, I left Philly happily. I do not look fondly <laughs> at Philly. Like Philly, you remember the Chris Rock bit where he was like, I was in... I was in, he goes, he goes, I was in Boston last week, or was that South Africa? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's what Philly felt like to me. And I didn't really identify with a lot of things. So at the age of 15, my father saw me starting to play bass and saw me really starting to, like, you know, play. Like, I was missing high school because I had gigs and I was playing on records. He's like, you got to leave school. You got to, you're going to do this for a living. So Mm -hmm. I connected with a musician who worked with Luther Vandross, a guy named Marcus Miller, if you guys know who yes. Marcus is. Yes. Incredible bass player. I was a bass player. Marcus was a bass player. I wrote him a letter. I sent it to Alive Entertainment, which was Luther's management company, and it took like seven months, and on one, of the, on one day I just get this phone call like, hey, uh, is, is Adam Dorn there? And I'm just like, you know, mess up. That was Luther? No, it was Marcus. It was oh, Mar- oh, Luther, oh. Didn't, Luther didn't call me. Luther did other cool oh, stuff. Okay. but Luther was probably eating. Yeah, <laughs> I ain't got That's, no time to call him. I, okay. <laughs> now this was the fat Luther we talked about. I, I know. I knew. I knew many versions of Luther. <laughs> I, I went through two diets with Luther, and I, I have Luther diet stories. Oh, what? Yeah. But long story short, I, you know, my friends and I, I had one other buddy, my buddy Stephen Wolf, who's an incredible drummer. He played with Shaka. He played with Annie Lennox. Mm-hmm. Like really accomplished musician. To give you an idea of what I was like as a teenager, I just assumed anyone calling me was one of my musician friends messing around, pretending they were Lenny White or oh, Marcus Miller or you know Omar Hakim, like all these famous you know j- you know jazz musicians. Mm-hmm. So I just told Mark I hung up on him. I was like, I, it's not you, it's not Marcus Miller. Why would Marcus Miller call me? Right. Calls me back, asked him a couple questions about tunes on his yeah. records. He answered them, and I like almost fainted. And he just said, listen, I heard you're playing bass. I read your letter. Mm-hmm. I want to hear you play. Right. And it just, it started from writing a letter. See, I, you think, know? I think the good thing that you, that most people don't get now, like they used to back in the time when you was playing the music and being yeah. in those days, is that when you was in the studio mm-hmm. and you have other artists in the studio, they usually come in on other people's records yeah. and just to visit and say, hey, you know, why don't you come on and do a hook here? Or why don't you come here and play something here or mm-hmm. there? And, and especially with jazz, that's a big thing that they Very much did. so. That's one of the biggest things I think a lot of artists today don't really get to really experience like they used to back then. No, they don't. Also because labels, if you think about the way that the label you know, system works now, when we were, when we were young, I'm going to, uh, not you, but uh, I'm going to assume uh, a lot of us are of the same generation. Mm-hmm. And See, I'm straight, no, 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 but, Generation well, X. Yeah, no. Steph's but, generation X. the same. Yeah, yeah. When I was growing up, I would, you know, you'd buy an album, yes. like a vinyl album, and yeah. you'd pull it out. And if, especially if it was Atlantic Records, they would show all the other artists on the label. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they had a jazz department, a classical department, rock, yes. soul, jazz, you know, R&B. Now it's just it's it has been sort of pipelined into like very mono you know uh, uh, I, I don't know what the right word would be but it's it's one dimensional it's, yeah. it's not the same thing so to speak to your point you'd be in the studio and you know it's similar to like Eddie Van Halen showing up on a Michael Jackson record like mm-hmm. why would that happen that certainly doesn't happen now you right. know um, it it was an incredible environment to grow up in. And, you know, my, my connection to Marcus, you know, 
I, I, can, I can't even tell you how many people I met. I spent three, 15, 16, 17, and 18. Instead of going to high school, I spent in the studio. Spent that time with Miles Davis, mm-hmm. Luther Vandross, David Sanborn, Roberta Flack, Joe Sample. Really just iconic artists of that period, and, yeah. and quite honestly, of any period, when you mention Miles or, or Luther. Um, Luther was the best. Luther and and I did I went through two diets with him. I was the dude that ate, he ate crystal light bars and a whole chicken with because, the skin taken yeah, off. Yeah, you, you, you know what we had we had D Train on the show yeah. a couple. Oh, of he's the best. Yeah. I know D Train. He's a great dude. I and love he him. Talked about Luther yeah. Yeah. with the chicken and the pork rinds. Yeah, I I, I miss pork rinds. I'm a little yeah. young. I miss the pork yeah. rinds because even Luther's doctor said you know no pork rinds right. anymore. Like your cholesterol. He said Luther it was a whole bucket of chicken. And they, people thought it was for no. everybody. It was, and they would say, no, that's Luther's and, food, and nobody would touch it. He would nope. eat the whole bucket of chicken. Yes, he would. And No and, nackings. And it was nackings. Yeah, and nackin, nackin, yeah. <laughs> totally. No, and and no, I, I went, I went, you know, I, my, my intro to Luther was an album called Any Love, mm. um, which is a oh, great... Any Love. Yeah, it's that's the... That's, so, I mean, just actually, to oh. give you an idea, the first record... You guys are going to, everyone, just warning, you're going to laugh. The first work record I worked on with Marcus mm-hmm. was The Butt. Uh-huh. Doing The Butt? Uh-huh. EU? EU. Yeah. EU. And, I, and I sang, on the, I sang on the next single. I did background vocals on the so next single. Come down, EU do the so go-go. Yeah. Yeah. No, that they're DC. DC. They're DC. Oh, go-go. The go-go. Go-go. Yeah, the go-go. Okay, so, yeah. so, yeah, it was for the Spike, Lu- yeah, Spike Lee school film, day. School, uh, day. school Days. School day. so, so I'm at the studio, at Quad Studios, on, you know, in Times Square, 49th and 7th. Marcus is in there, and they're, he's like, hey, we're mixing to butt. But I know you have your bass with you. Let's go in the, oh, so in the actual studio. Uh-huh. And they're in the control room. And we just played for like an hour and a half. He was playing drums and I was playing bass. And that was my audition to see like, can this gangly Jewish kid from Philly like <laughs> hang? And, you was, and, you was and I was, oh, yeah, so I'm here right now. Going, Look, I made it. I'm so here. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. I'm just doing, yeah. When you get that notion, put your back so yeah, all right, but that's the first one, uh-huh. and that's like an iconic record. Like yes. it's like a hit at a time, yes. and then you know Questlove brought it back in right. the Oscars a couple yeah, years yeah, ago, yeah. and everyone went nuts because yeah. Glenn Close danced to the butt. Um, but no, just you know, I you know, getting to hang out with Marcus and learn, and you know, it's it's fun. I don't want to mention you. You had a previous guest that I mm-hmm. I've been sitting here for a little while. Mentorship. Yeah. Yes. The thing about music that needs to continue and cannot ever stop, it's lineage and mentorship. Right. You need to, you're standing on the giants, mm-hmm. uh, the, the shoulders of giants yes. before you. Right. Marcus gave me a platform to learn and sit and meet Miles and meet Luther and right. meet, you know, I met Sly. I mean, I met Sly like with M. Tume. Remember M. Tume? Juicy, Juicy Fruit. Juicy yeah. Fruit. And Tume was unbelievably cool. We went down, Studio B, we were working on an EU record, and we went down, and Mar- I didn't go into the studio with Sly. Right. It freaked me out. I was 16 years old. He was bones and burning stuff, uh-huh. and it was like, you know, it was, it was crazy. I went in, and, and it was with M. Tume, and M. Tume looked at me, and he, he, he didn't know who I was. He, right. he, knows, he knew my dad really well, right. but he didn't know me. And he looks at me and he said, what do you want? 
I was like, I'm, hi, Mr. M2A. I'm Adam. I'm, I'm with Marcus. I'm, you know, it was, and then he just started laughing because he was like, he's like, if you're with Marcus, you're cool, man. Again, yeah, we're talking. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I'm rambling, I'm rambling. No, you're good. Yeah, yeah but these, these are stories yeah. that yeah. are embedded in your mind. And when yeah. you start talking about it, it's, it's like yesterday and people yeah. get fascinated. And I think the beauty yeah. of it, again, we're talking to Adam doing the motion work. Thank you. It's, this, this, is, this is adolescence. This is not like you. No, no, I didn't do anything yet. Yeah, exactly. This is youth. Like, this is not, this is like, you know, when most kids are just like, you know, trying to, you know, shoot poops in the backyard. No. You were icons. I was, and I was working. Yeah. And the thing is, and I think the thing is with this business, it's like how you get brought through, who mentors you, and the and the, the extreme privilege of getting that opportunity. Yeah. Like, but I'll never forget, Marcus told me something before any love started, the night before, he said, listen, Luther doesn't like a lot of people. So it, it, by noon tomorrow, if he's like, you can't come around, I don't I have nothing I can yeah. do. Yeah. I, it doesn't matter that I'm right. a co-producer, I wrote half the tunes. So I was <laughs> I got up the next morning and I went to, it was Right Track Studios on 48th. They're not there anymore. And I went there and I was like, do you remember the Honeymooners, Ralph, you know, Ralph Cramden yeah. from the Honeymooners? I was like, humana, 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 humana. I was like, I was, I was like hi, Mr. Pandro, you know, and I just sat in the corner and, and noon rolled around just right on tar Target. Uh -huh. And it was, Marcus had another guy he was mentoring, my buddy Cliff. And he was like, Cliff has to go. Mm. He's like, I got to tell, you're good. You're good, me. And, and I was, I felt so bad. And like mm. Luther didn't like this dude, and it was like the vibe. Know. I mean, he he was. Yeah, it, it was. It or? just a yeah. You know, like you know, Luther. Luther's thing is, <clears throat> he doesn't want anyone there when he does vocals. When he's writing, it, you just it, there has to be. You got to be cool. You got to mm -hmm. be like wall. I, I just call it wallpaper. Mm. You know, and it's like you know what it is when you get in a room and you just have to read the room and yeah. just like yeah. all right, time for you, unlike now, to shut up. Yeah. And listen, and that's. I guess I got lucky that morning, and I was—I wasn't my exuberant self. Um, and I ended up; it was nine months. The the record took, you know, nine months to get wow. made. But but yeah, you're right. It's adolescence. There, yeah. There's a bunch of other stuff that comes, but um, it's something I will never not be incredibly grateful for. And yeah. and just like I still work with Marcus. Mm. I was in his—I played bass in his band. For another bass player to be in someone like. The, they're his, but it's like playing trumpet with Miles Davis. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's, it's um, the ultimate honor. Yeah, and you know, I mean, to write with your idol, who's your mentor, who becomes your friend and partner, is is an incredible, you know, experience. But, but yeah, uh, a lot of other stuff. <laughs> yeah. I know you've probably seen stuff that you ain't even supposed to tell. That I, you know, yeah, I. Yeah. Maybe he, he don't know how to do radio. Let's take a <laughs> no, quick it's break. okay. Yeah. No, because we got yeah. we got paid bills. We'll, he just, he'll keep we'll, talking. About we'll it. teach him during the break. Yeah, <laughs> Good luck on that, Adam. <laughs> Adam doing lotion work. Not be loud. Come on, man.
We're back on the ride. Now I'm free lounge having a great conversation with uh, the motion worker, Adam <laughs> Dorn. I tell you, it's incredible that you can set these stories, man. And, um, I'm going to put this out here even as we're doing this. We're going to have to have you back for two of these seminars. <laughs> Because okay. we can't touch everything. But okay. you kind of mentioned about the band. I think that was around 2008, I believe. That's when you uh, started working with the band, um, doing the band work. Correct? Was that around that time? Uh, no. Uh, no. I mean, <clears throat> no real band, per se. I, I had a band right. as my my artist Correct. thing, Motion Worker, which, yeah. which I'll just, for people listening, it's it's a weird artist name because it's M and the word ocean and then separately yeah, I worker. Yeah, ask Mike motion. myself. Yeah, I motion. I was going to say Moroccan. I'm like, wait a minute. This doesn't <laughs> I, it was one of those things. There was a company that made software mm -hmm. called Motion Worker and I was like, mm -hmm. I don't want a lawsuit. You know, so I... Yeah. Smart man. Yeah, so smart. No one knows how to pronounce my artist name. It's great. It's a, it was actually great. No, You're that guy. Right. How's it pronounced? Um, <clears throat> no, I... I, I I, I was really fortunate, you know, the records that I make under that name, Motion Worker, I did it on purpose because, you know, coming up at the time I came up as an artist, like, everyone was like, you know, the Chemical Brothers, Fat Boy Slim, Moby, you know, yeah. like... All, Everybody had and, nicknames. Yeah, it yeah. was like you were DJ something, and I was, and, and I have to just say this, I, will, I had been a DJ, a success, I'm the mm -hmm. worst DJ mm. in the history of the world. Mm. For as good a musician as I think I might be, I mm -hmm. suck at DJing. I, <laughs> I can't beat match, it's, it's embarrassing. So that was like my DJ name, yeah. and I was really lucky. I caught a window where I started releasing albums, <clears throat> excuse me, and a lot of the music from the albums was used in like the Sopranos and Devil Wears Prada, oh. the Born Supremacy, car commercials. <clears throat> I'm so sorry. I'm <clears throat> um, and it enabled me to finally like not be a DJ anymore and mm. pay musicians like a good, you know, fee to come on the road and mm -hmm. tour. So I had like, I referred to as, I went on the road with my version of Cool in the Gang. Like mm -hmm. I had like a four piece horn section and like a real rhythm oh, section. Pick up the pieces. Yeah, <laughs> man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's a good stage show. Yeah. yeah. No, and it was really fun and I did a bunch of festival things and then I realized that it was bankrupting. <laughs> it's yeah. very expensive to tour. Could be MC Hammerish. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's very difficult to tour with musicians and and align with their schedules, especially yeah. good musicians. They're very busy, you know. Yeah. So I did that for a while, um, and then it, it's interesting. Similar to Marcus, who's been like a, a guide point in my career a lot, I started working on films because the music had been w used in so many films right. leading up to that. So I started scoring films, and I'm really happy. You know, like I, I've worked on a lot of documentaries, mm -hmm. and I worked on the official life of Richard Pryor, which was like, yes. you know, for the BBC and Showtime as a film called Omit the Logic. And, I'm and glad, I was going to ask you. About yeah, that. yeah, we did. We did yeah. Omit the Logic, and like the my my favorite thing was, the team was nominated for an NAACP award, and we won. And we went up there, and all I could think of it was me. It was me, my white female director, my white editor. It was like oh, the right. white. I was like, right. and all I and I didn't do this. I didn't do this, but all I wanted to do, you know, I'm the composer on the film, right, right. so I'm not like speaking. I'm like uh -huh. just standing there, like you know. All I wanted to do was Richard would be rolling over, and you know, <laughs> although actually not. I mean, when you watch the film, he what an absolutely incredible important poignant figure i mean like just such a great just you know and you know 
uh, hard existence, but yeah. like incredible. Anyway, um, just parlayed the music success into scoring films because I wanted to, uh, I really wanted to just be a stay-at-home dad and not yeah. tour anymore and raise my kid and, and, and I could do that. I could, I could score films and the work Devil on Wears TV Prada shows. Well. Devil Wears Prada, you know, there, I had a tune in there where I sing in French, <laughs> which is very... <laughs> my yeah, 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 Trey, Trey, sheet. Um, but no, like Robin Williams, I, I, man, unfortunately, I've done some Donald Trump documentaries, like, you know, well, for you Showtime. No, I, I can't, no, exactly. It's like, yeah. no, but it, it led to a lot of film work Mm-hmm. which kind of derailed the artist's career. Yeah. Because that, it's kind of like, if you don't tour as an artist, it, it's kind of, you know. Right. And, you know. Family so, became more important. It became. Well, know. family is, is it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, it's especially after hearing your last guest, um, you know, it's like, yeah. you get that chance to raise a child. Like, yeah. you know, I right. just, I wanted to, I really wanted to focus on that and do that. Um, but I also love working on films. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 very difficult work to get. Um, mm-hmm. So, it was it was fun to work on that. Like so. moderator, you you want to jump in? I know this is like Eddie Murphy and Arsenio with you two, but <laughs> nevertheless. Listen, listen. I I can I can I, we've we've done a couple of these. Yeah. Um, but I think the most poignant thing I could add is how I met Adam. Oh my God. <laughs> so Adam had a YouTube persona. Oh. Called Philly Guy Bass Star. Yeah. Right? Around this time, I decided, you know what? I think I want to, I think I want to, you know, early midlife crisis. I think I want to pick up an instrument. I think I'm going to pick up the bass. Bass makes sense. My parents ain't going to allow no trumpet, so I'm not about to be Miles. There'll be no sax. I'll be no cannonball Adderley. I ain't putting a keyboard in here. I need (laughs) something. I need something, right? Yeah. So I pick up the bass. So I'm going through YouTube looking at videos. So here's this guy with this Eagles baseball cap on. And this one particular episode, he spoke of Anthony Bourdain. The the go everywhere. The traveler. The traveler, right? The food food guy. And he mentioned that Adam Dorn, excuse me, (laughs) that um, Bourdain was a closet funk bass fan. Yeah. So then Adam just was like, "You come on down. We can play some some, yeah. some 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 groups of five. We can." And Adam just started playing, like playing, playing, like put his weight on it, playing. So me, I copied it, ripped it, and that's how I taught myself how to edit audio. Yeah, yeah. Right, was from that. So I find him on Instagram. I hit an ad, and then like he follows me back, and then we start like conversing. Yeah. And then the rest, I consider him a brother. Like yeah. from that, like all, all for me being a complete wise ass on YouTube. <laughs> I, I should say the character, the character that I did, mm-hmm. is me pretending. And it's funny because we had a little foreshadowing of it earlier with the guys yelling outside. Um, yeah, so this neighborhood done really changed. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I just was messing around. Mm-hmm. I pretend I'm like this dumb sort of like plumber from Philly. And then out of nowhere, I go like, you know, and it's like, you know, Larry Graham shows up. Um, and he saw that and it cracks me up because a friend of mine actually worked with, I never told you this, but a friend of mine worked with Tony Bourdain. So I was like, well, if Tony Bourdain wants to play funk bass, like c- come down to Philly, you know, wow. and I was just like, come, you know, I'll show you how to 
you know, I'll show you how to play funk bass. Mm-hmm. Um, so that cracks me up that we met that way. But yeah, I would mess around and I would do like tributes to, you know, Marcus and Stanley Clark and like all these famous musicians that played bass that were from Philly and I would just play. And the, the idea was this idiot that could actually play bass. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. Now this question, did you ever yeah. get to meet Prince? No, but I, I, my brother worked with Prince on the Batman uh, soundtrack. Okay. Very underrated soundtrack. I, I yeah. 100% agree. Yeah. And he, he told me that the only thing, I mean, he said everything was really cool, super professional. He said, what, working at Paisley Park, though, if you even invoked his name, there were like doorways that he would appear from. They, oh, there wow. was like there was like a labyrinth of hallways mm, that connected yeah. the studios, and Prince would just sh- if you were like I wonder if Prince is gonna like this mix, and then all of a sudden you're just like hello yeah, I'm Prince yeah, yeah he would appear like Screwface from Walk for Death I yeah be weird. no I and I, I love did, that did he offer you pancakes <laughs> and you that know that's a true story yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I love everything about the fact that that's true and mm. I know it's true and I love that Charlie Murphy said Lake I compliment. <laughs> I just Minnetonka. Yeah, Minnetonka. Yeah, Minnetonka. Yeah, I got it. But I love that Charlie Murphy copped to the fact that he was like, I'm the worst. He was like, everything was true. I'm the worst basketball player ever. He's like, I couldn't do anything. Yeah. But yeah. Again, we're talking to Adam Dorn, music extraordinaire. I mean, when you think about, I mean, obviously now, you know, uh, your family man would have you, but you still got a lot left in the tank. Is, Is there anything you think about that? you still want to accomplish? I mean, you've done so much. Uh-huh. But i got to believe there's still something well, you to strive to. I mean, so I just put out a new record. It's called Boombox. Right. And, and I think what I want to strive towards is, is never not being a creative artist. Because yeah. it's like, especially, as you, and, and I say this to young artists, mm-hmm. when you're 20, you think it's going to go a certain way. Right. And by the time you're 25, it's already changed. And by the time you're 30, if you're still doing it, you're lucky. Yeah. You're really lucky. Right. Miles Davis said, every five years, you have to pivot and change and reinvent yourself mm. and mm-hmm. always find whatever it is your muse. Right. Um, so my thing, you know, I just turned, fi- I turned 53 on Wednesday. Oh, happy birthday. And thank you. Happy birthday. And I just want to, even in this new streaming age and, you know, the craziness that is what recorded music is right now. Mm-hmm. I just want to continue to, re- to release music and always have it be something different and e- emblematic and indicative of where I am as a human. Mm. I watched a couple months ago there on Amazon, I don't know if you guys saw this, there was a documentary about the musician Wayne Shorter. Yes. Unbelievable, yes. like, inspiring thing. I watched it and I realized, man, I've been working on all these action films and documentaries and I haven't paid attention. You're always writing music for other people right. and getting feedback, directors, producers, studios. It's really important to never lose sight of the fact that you got in this because you love music mm, yeah. and you want to always... Pa- the path, yeah. yeah. Wanna, and it doesn't even matter if I'm making like the worst death metal or punk or whatever. You got to get it out of you. You know, yeah. by the way, I don't make any of that music. <laughs> I, just you know, just as a disclaimer, Michael can do the, you know, the moderator can do the disclaimer. Uh, but, you know, you know, there are artists I want to work with. I probably won't ever work with them, but I've been blessed to work with a lot of artists that I really man, love. You got it. You got a and, catalog. And I think, again, the, the, the beauty of it, and uh, I want to ask you this question, 
Sure. In fact, I make the statement. The beauty of it, music to me is, it's it, it's like sports. Yeah. You know, you get a, a team in a locker room of all ethnicities, backgrounds, religions. It's a common goal. Music yeah. to me is colorless. What do you think about today's music? And that I use this because obviously, uh, to me, music has become more visual than than all. Yeah. Everything is now about what you see and less yeah. about what you hear. As mm. somebody who's a core core artist, core musician, can mm. can do anything. How do you see the, the industry going? Do you look at it from a, hey, it's just the progress, the Miles Davis thing, reinventing itself? Or do you look at it like, wow, what are we doing? All right. Um, I don't want to, I, I like saying positive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's cyclical. Okay. And I think what we're going through now, because of social media, because of, you know, the, 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 we're like really 15 years into the internet for real. Not, not like I know people were on AOL yeah, in the late uh-huh. 90s or whatever. I think that there will be a backlash for some realness. Because, you know, when I look at the landscape now, you got a lot of female artists and male artists that are like really good looking. Their voices are manipulated with, you know, auto-tune and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it's like, it's one thing for Roger Troutman to use stuff on his vocals and like now everyone use, you know, between yeah. Melodyne and auto-tune and really, I think, the, the the cyclical nature of music will there will be a backlash of what we would call like more real stuff mm. i hope yeah what is going to be difficult is that between apple and spotify and all these streaming services and ai is you have like 30 to 40,000 songs being released a day yeah. on these platforms if i was 20 and i was releasing music and it was the beginning of my career i I would be so confused. It's always been confusing. Right. Like everything about the music business has been a challenge. Yeah. All my father used to say, "It's like rolling up a mountain covered in Vaseline." Mm. That's the music business. That's a it's, challenge. it's, exactly. it's you know what I mean. Like so, just getting yourself out there. Like if I was a kid, I would be, I would be working all the YouTube and all the, you know, all, every single angle to be right. be visual. But I would also really know the history of music be, be, before me. Right and really take pride in musicianship and creativity and songwriting. I think, I, I, I might be naive, but I feel like next couple years, hopefully there'll be a little less saccharine kind of music going on. I mean, and it affects everything. Yeah. You know, like I, I have a theory and then people don't agree with me, but as soon as like Mariah added a rapper to the verse, to the chorus, too many worlds converged at once. It became right. a, when Daft Punk and Pharrell and Nile, like when it all comes together, right. you don't have gospel and soul and jazz right. and classical delineated mm-hmm. as their own thing. It's too combined. Right. I love hip hop. I do not need it with Car- Katy Perry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Thank you. No thanks. Right. So maybe maybe there's. I, I like the regional, almost tribalist. Records used to break out of different markets. Mm-hmm. Houston, Chicago, Detroit. Right. It was all like, the, like factions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Philly had a sound. Like, I would love to get back to the days where regional things, like we said earlier, yeah. Go-Go, yeah. D.C. Yeah. Mm-hmm. D.C., it, you know, New Jack Swing doesn't happen without Go-Go. Yeah. That sense of rhythm. D- you know, all the shit we're hearing. Oh, sorry. All the stuff we're hearing now. Yeah, like, you know, D'Angelo with Dilla and all this stuff. Like, that's mind-bending music that's now like, Phew. Yeah. 
you know, you got only a couple examples of things that are brilliant now. But wouldn't it? It's like the 1% controls every aspect of our life. You know what I mean? It's not like we have Marvin Gaye and Otis, you know, uh, Curtis Mayfield and Otis Redding and Sly at the same time. We don't. We have like three. We have one. Sorry. I ranted. No, no, no. Not, Not a problem. I think that we need to look at trends. Trends will de- trends will tell you what you can expect, right? right? So we can take music. You go back to the 80s, profoundly electronic. Everything sounded like someone stuck the microphone into the wall socket. Everything was that sharp, that yeah. crisp. And I'm not knocking And that's that. the technology, too, by the way. Right? That's, 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 the, that's the Jan Hammer era. That's the pick. Uh, Jan pick Hammer. Right? Uh. right? Just pick something from that era. Yeah. Now, you recording. Me yeah. recording, you know, every plugin has yeah. natural tube saturation. Yeah, yeah. Every plugin has something to model it after past pieces of equipment. Mm. So I really think that if you follow that trend, it's only a matter of time before music redistributes itself to where, you know what? Uh, yeah, I'm not quite trying to hear Katy Perry with mm. Tribe Called Quest. <laughs> yeah, it's horrifying. You yeah, know what I'm saying? So I, I really think two, that if we... What's that? Two great tastes that go to great together, you know? <laughs> and I'm sure they're two great tastes, but... Yeah. 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 No, no, I, you might be onto something, but but I think that the, the indi- being an individual and really truly shining right now is so difficult, but so needed. So, like, wildly desperately needed. Like, I want a Marvin Gaye right now. We don't have a mar. We're living in the most divided, messed up times of my lifetime, mm-hmm. and we don't have we don't have a Mahalia Jackson. We don't have Aretha. We don't have Marvin Gaye. We don't have a certain kind of thing. I mean, we thought Usher was going to be Marvin Gaye, but yeah, right. But how could he be? Yeah. I mean, like he's the product of a totally different thing yeah. and yeah. unbelievably talented, but he's not Marvin Gaye. Yeah. And he would be the first to, to actually say that. Now, I got one question before sure. I know for, before we have to go out. Yeah, yeah. Anything else. Um, there's nice. one thing I oh, didn't really get to hear that I was wondering about from you. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever thought about doing anything like with those video games, like Guitar Heroes or anything else, like with Slash and all of them like that? I mean, I, I, I'll tell a real quick story. That's a cup of tea. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's just kind of funny. I, I was asked to work on a video game. They, they have scores. They have, they have yeah. like, you yes. know, composers that make the music. Mm-hmm. And you know when you know, like, you're getting a little older? You know, like, I, I'm going to say, like, you know, like, you know, hey, you know, like, I just, I metaphorically, I'm putting my baseball cap on backwards. Hey, kids, what are we talking about, you know? <laughs> And I'm just like, I went in, it was, it was for PlayStation, and I went into the studio, and the, and, the, and the developer was like, hey, so we're going to walk you through this game. This is really, you know, like, really, like, and, and he slides the controller over to me. Like, it's still like an animatic, you know, it's not even the real video game. It's like line drawings, yeah. but you can, min- and I just went like, I was like, I don't, I don't play video games. <laughs> I was like, you have the wrong, like, I can write all the music in the world for you. I have, I don't know what the buttons do. X button. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, yeah, no, I've never thought of, of any of that. And I probably had a detriment to my own career, you know what I mean? Certain avenues are closed yeah, off. Yeah, because the, yeah, the reason why I asked that for because yeah. I know, like, with Slash, I know that he said that it took him a while before he even, um, it took some of his old stuff to put yeah. on the Guitar Heroes. But I was just thinking, like, 
something in that type of fashion to teach kids about the bass and how to play it and what the chords are and stuff like no. that? No. I mean, the only thing I've ever really done along that lines is mentor young musicians, actually people that are trying to like get into the game. I, I, I helped start an organization called Songwriters of North America. Um, it's called Sona. Uh, I'm no longer with the organization just because eight and a half years was enough. Mm -hmm. But the thing I tried to do to, to, to give back uh, was we, because streaming is so economically unfeasible for lower artists and like even middle class artists, mm -hmm. we created a new royalty stream through the government. Like I actually went, I like I had to sit in Ted Cruz's office. I had to go and meet all these. That must have been the experience. It was a trip. I met all these birthers. I met you know, like, hey buddy, how you doing? And I'm just like, you didn't think Obama was born here. I'm like, don't hug me. Do not hug me. Ted Yoho from Florida. That's his name. Ted Yoho. He was like, you know, he was like the, you know, he was like the quarterback in high school, yeah, and he like owns a used car dealership, and he'd be, I'm gonna run for Congress. Anyway, he distinguished he, gentleman. Yeah, yeah, distinguished gentleman. We helped pass a law called the Music Modernization Act, and it it, it codified into law what is called a digital mechanical royalty. Mm. So songwriters and composers get a higher royalty rate um, through Spotify and Apple and Amazon and all the streaming services. So I couldn't do much on the, on that and the technical end but He's pretty busy yeah no no, no. and I, I mean and it was a big team like right. i'm not i'm not saying like i went in and it was like mr smith goes to washington it was like i went in with like you know 15 other songwriters and we met with about 100 members of congress and it was during the trump administration <sighs> and so none of us were invited to the signing like we were key in, integral parts of it yeah. and he only invited like basically like trump supporters right so it was like people in <laughs> Kid Rock in there. He didn't even know what the law was. He was like, yeah, it was not a law. Let's get drunk. You know, like he's just like, I'm at the White House. We're to eat. Yeah. <laughs> and then they got, you know, McDonald's, you know. It was, it was, oh, yeah, yeah, his favorite. Yeah, his favorite. <laughs> yeah, the Clemson football So, yeah, plays. but I, I, I ramble on, but yeah. No, Adam, this has been great. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. This, I've enjoyed this, just hearing you talk. It's, it's <laughs> you are a walking um, thesis. I'm an old man. Listen, I'm an I'm old right man with, with stories. You. I mean, okay, listen. <laughs> If you're old, I'm old too. So. <laughs> hey, you're in the best generation. X. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> reach out, find more information. Okay. Find a new music. Where can they reach out? So the record's called Boombox. Mm -hmm. The artist's name is Motion Worker. It's spelled M O C E A N Worker. So M Ocean Motion Worker. Mm -hmm. uh, all my socials are just at Motion Worker. Yeah. One, you know, one thing. And uh, yeah, no, the record's. I'm blessed. It's doing really. It's number four on electronic music chart. I don't know what that means anymore, but but it's doing well. And I, I'm I am not coming to a city near you. <laughs> I will not be touring. Yeah, I've got my, my, one, yeah, my hip hurts. Yeah, I'm sorry. Adam, thank Dawn, you so much, guys. Thank you for coming to the Mean Streets of City Island. I don't know what uh -oh. the hell is going on over here today. Yeah. But nevertheless, thank you so much. Happy holidays. We're gonna take a quick Same break. We keep this thing moving. Not free lounge. Where else you wanna be? Come on back.